Sunday, November 21st, 2021. The Feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. At the end of the liturgical year, we celebrate the kingship and ultimate victory of Christ. Today, the Gospel is from John, where Christ is revealed as King in the middle of Pilate's interrogation. Jesus explains to Pilate that his kingdom is not of this world, and Pilate found him no threat to his earthly kingdom. But Pilate, in the accusation written on the cross, named Jesus as the King of the Jews. As Pilate represented the Roman Emperor, his writing was equi equivalent to the Emperor of the world accepting Jesus as King, despite the Jewish resistance to that royal title. Analyzing this Gospel passage gives us a glimpse of how Christ assumes the role of King, even in the middle of the interrogation, and how he taught Pilate a thing or two on truth, and a kingdom that is not of this world. Jesus would assume the position of King on the cross, and give amnesty to the thief and the, and the soldiers, establishing forgiveness as the hallmark of his kingdom. Unfortunately, the suffering and forgiving king on the cross is often blurred and misinterpreted as the ruthless judge. King appears a little too far-fetched a title for Christ, who evaded every attempt of the people to make him one. Someone is king when there is a kingdom, some subjects to govern and judge. Jesus had none. He was born poor and lived in poor circumstances. Still, he is celebrated as a king. My meditations on Christ's kingship take me to the collective human psyche that creates stories and narratives of kings and kingdoms. In Greek mythology, there is the story of Prometheus, a son of God, he brought fire, the goodness of the heavens, to share with humans and was mercilessly punished for being compassionate. In Indian mythology, there is a story of the Gandharva, the Indian virgin of Cupid, and he must deflower human virgins in secret and return to heaven. Eventually, Gandharva falls in love with the virgin he was ordered to deflower refuses to return to the heavens, and receives punishment for breaking the rule of the heavens. Christ the King is also a narrative of a king, the Son of God, who came down to save humanity and got himself punished, crucified. But in poetic justice, he comes back as a victorious king. We all fall into the trap of the psychological need for weaving a story of victory into the moments of our defeat. I cannot imagine a Christ who forgave his torturers from the cross, contracting a multiple personality disorder before his second coming and assuming the role of a vengeful king and destroying all his enemies. Kings were significant in wars. One of the reasons that Israel demanded a king was to lead them in war. The defeated side in a war 
makes a narrative of their own. The victorious one makes another narrative, giving meaning to the psychological experience they are collectively undergoing. The experience of defeat might have unconsciously raised the desire for a king who wins not just temporally, but eternally, in early Christianity. The solemnity of Christ the King came to prominence when the position of kings was disappearing, forced to give way to the democratic and other modern forms of government. Many of them were actually Catholic kings. In later theological musings, we find that Christ is reimagined as a democratic spirit evolving from within, as Attila Hard de Chardin conceived. A king governs his kingdom by commandments and rules. The actions of the subjects will be judged based on compliance or non-compliance with these rules. Those who fail to obey are punished. Those who work against the king are charged with sedition and often put to death. This narrative of the kingdom is pretty well transferred to the kingdom of God and the kingship of Christ. But, very often, these unconscious narratives of kingship that we have about earthly kings do not match with that of Christ. The kingship of Christ is a symbol today. It represents God's power to protect the subjects under him and to govern over them. Christ, the eternal king, ensures the ultimate defeat of the enemy that wages war within our hearts. He judges and dispenses justice. The depiction of the king dividing people into categories of good and evil are all part of the judgment role of Christ. What is essential in celebrating this solemnity is to identify whose laws and decrees which are inscribed in one's heart and what values govern one's choices and actions. If it is of Christ, He reigns in our hearts and we belong to His world. He has established the rules to belong to His kingdom. The only commandment of His kingdom is to love one another. The statutes of this one commandment are all acts of charity. Feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, clothing the naked, and taking care of the needy. The narratives of Christ's kingship, devoid of the laws of charity, result in an empty story matching the unconscious narrative patterns of the human psyche. Yet, when we view Christ's kingship in light of the laws of charity and undertake the works of mercy collectively and personally, we will inevitably, though perhaps unknowingly, be caught up in His kingdom. <laughs>